0: Basketball teams are entering the final month of the regular season as they gear up for the playoffs. While some teams are locks to make the playoffs, others are still fighting for their opportunity to chase the trophy this summer. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting you in the center of the action with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. Turning $1 into $100 is simple. Pick any basketball team to win their next game. And if during that game, the team of your choosing hits a three pointer, you bring home $100 in free bets. That's 100 to one odds on the team of your choosing to hit a three. They don't even need to win. Download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. If the basketball team of your choosing hits a three, that's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 in free bets for a limited time. Only only at DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. Only new customers. Only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLING. Hello and welcome to the tip of the iceberg podcast brought to you as always by the hockey podcast network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by Nicholas J. Horwat. Horwat, how's it going today, buddy? I am all the way exhausted today. Uh, I
1: usually come to you guys, you know, a little more tired and a little more spent, but today I'm completely tuckered. So we'll see how I do today. Thankfully, we have a third person with us um, for today's show. Mr. Doug Gladkey, he'll be here picking up the scraps that I leave behind of just my rambling, possibly.
2: <laughs> Dougie, how you doing, buddy? Doing pretty good, guys. You know, just getting ready for trade deadline tomorrow. You guys know that's like my Christmas, and uh, we'll just keep uh, keep rolling along here.
0: Shout out to Jordy Cunningham, who's joining us, our buddy from the King's Den on the THPN. We uh, thank you for tuning in, Jordy. But we have a fun show For everybody today, of course, we're in high spirits as the Penguins are now rocking a three-game win streak after taking out the New Jersey Devils in back-to-back wins most recently a couple of minutes ago as we record here live on Facebook, on Twitter, and on YouTube as well as we now have a YouTube channel. So go check that out at Tip of the Iceberg on YouTube. But we have a good show. We're going to talk some Pens hockey. We're going to talk about the overall state of the team heading into the trade deadline as there is no more action to be had before that deadline happens tomorrow at 3 p.m eastern standard time and then we'll talk a little bit about the trade deadline because the penguins at least from my perspective dodged a bullet earlier this afternoon we'll get into the nick delorier talk a little bit later but let's start it off with the way the penguins have played recently of course since our last episode the penguins have Have played three games and have won three games, as I mentioned earlier. A five to two win against the New York Rangers at MSG, a six to four win against the Devils the following night on Friday, and then a five to two win this evening against the New Jersey Devils as well. So the Penguins, three game win streak in third place in the division, but only two points behind first. How are we feeling about this team right now? Doug, you're the guest, so let's let you go first today.
2: I'm really confident in this team right now with where we're at. With where we're at. Um, that's crazy to say with uh, where we all were and where we thought they were going to be earlier on, right after we uh, got into the season. But uh, this teams really come together. You know, they've had a lot of uh, guys emerge. You know, a lot of the depth guys have been great, like Angelo, Radim Zahorna, Frederick Gaudreau, and then really the emergence of Jared McCann once uh, Jason Zucker got injured Earlier in the year, that's been what uh, I feel like was a major turning point. So they're, they're rolling right now. They have four solid lines, and I'm really excited to see how the rest of this stretch goes.
0: Yeah, it, it's been a big step up for all of the depth pieces for the Pittsburgh Penguins as of late. And ever since the Malkin injury especially, their depth pieces have stepped up. Horat, you look like you're chomping it the bit to get, get a word and hear what you got for us.
1: Uh, I was preparing my statement of how I am confident in this team as well. And then Jordy decided to toss another comment into the comment section of uh, if we want Billy Mata back. And uh, no, not not one bit. I don't know how he's doing over there in L.A., but um, (laughs) we we, has he unhitched the load is my only question, because that was that was our big complaint with him. But other than that, no, it's yeah, I'm definitely very confident with this team right now going into the position we are in into this late of the season with all the injuries, which have to get mentioned every time we talk about this team. Uh, But I mean, you look at the Penguins, the Islanders and the uh, Capitals, all 42 games into the season, all with 27 wins. So those are good numbers to really have right now. And um, with the amount of games that are remaining and there's not much separation, this is a team that could fall into the lead somehow, one way or the other. Maybe that's just how the dice rolls, and by the time the season's over, that's just where they have,
0: they are. They just happen to have that last victory. Listen, before the season, you put your foot down and said second place a couple weeks ago. I put my foot down and said second place. I still believe that that is a keen possibility for the Pittsburgh Penguins. First place is obviously a possibility for the Pittsburgh Penguins right now, and here's why at least second is very important for this team. While they are amazing, at home 16 3-1 at this moment in time on the road they are 11 10-1 so they're 500 on the road you would think that home advantage is big in any playoff series but for the Pittsburgh Penguins considering the way they play at home versus the way they've played on the road this season that home advantage is going to be so huge for them
1: yeah that's going to be massive so getting that sort of advantage um really helps I mean the numbers are sick when it comes to that Getting those home victories, getting those home games in. Now with fans back, too, no less. Getting a crowd behind you. Um, I think we were having the discussion on the way into the season, how is not having a crowd going to um, play play a factor on this team? I mean, we saw it played a part in hampering the start of Malkin's season, but now that the fans are back, we're behind them. We're juiced. We're ready for playoff hockey.
0: Dougie, what do you think about this split? How important is it for the Pittsburgh Penguins to get home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs?
2: I think it's very important for them to get home ice advantage. Um, I feel like this team plays better in front of their own fans, and they just play better in front of fans in general. Um, I agree with what Horwath said with uh, Malkin really gets it going whenever there's people in the seats, and I think that goes for several other players on the team as well. You know, Latang especially. And, um, you know, that's the thing is, like, you need the home ice advantage. You need the fans in the stands. And as things continue to progress, I'd imagine that the capacity will start to rise and uh, we'll be soon – we'll be as close to, like, fully rocking as they can be going into uh, playoff hockey. That's all
0: we can hope for. And maybe even get a glimpse of, of a scattered gold out and gold rush game at the beginning of the playoffs. That's definitely something that would be a great image for everybody to see. And even coming home this week, the Penguins will face the Flyers on Thursday after a long layoff. But they'll have more fans in the stands, as you mentioned, as we progress here with COVID and the vaccination progress in the United States. They're going to start allowing more fans in the stands. Previously, it was 2,800 now as of a week ago they're allowed to have five thousand fans in the stand so it's just going to get that much louder that much more raucous and i think the penguins are going to just take that much more energy from it
1: and that's going to be an awesome thing to say
0: i got not too much else i mean once the fans get in we know it's going to be better luckily enough though the penguins have played well on the road as of late including on this six game road trip that they just concluded in new jersey they were four and two in a road trip that went through msg TD Garden and Prudential Center. Those are three places that the Penguins do not notoriously play well in. So the fact that they went four and two over this stretch, we already talked on Monday's episode or sorry, last Thursday's episode about how the Penguins play in TD Garden and the curse being lifted. The Penguins winning back-to-back games in Prudential Center is almost more impressive. I would say, don't you think Dougie?
2: Yeah, I totally agree. That's that's the one thing that I think truly flies under the radar is how bad they can play in New Jersey. Um, I know that, like, their play in Boston over the past, like, seven or eight-year stretch kind of overshadowed that. But uh, no less, it's great they're able to get two wins against the Devils and uh, keep uh, move getting ready to move up in the standings because that, that uh, race to the finish is going to be uh, crazy. So let's get – a little bit into the
0: team itself right now. I know we've talked a little overall so far in the first 10 minutes here about the Penguins and where they sit in the standings, but as of right now, a big thing that has happened and a big development for the Pittsburgh Penguins is the return of Teddy Bluger. It's kind of been anticipated over the last week and a half with him skating fully in practices, but finally on Sunday, we get him back into the lineup. He scores an assist on the first Sevier goal, and he plays on that fourth line, so... What did you guys think about Bluger returning the lineup and how big of an impact is that going to make? We'll start with Horwat. I've said it multiple times before. Teddy Bluger is
1: probably the most important player on this team because he plays the full uh, length of the ice. He plays every inch. Um, he didn't take the smartest penalty today with that puck over glass late, but um, it's interesting that that's a rarity for him. That sort of penalty, but it's not the first time he's done it this year. So you just hope that gets kicked. But a lot of the times, uh, penalty, a penalty like that is pretty accidental, but he's one of the more important players on this team, hands down. So him being back in the lineup is huge by way of we have, you know, that a new center depth bolstered again. Um, our penalty kill can start to get a little bit more back on track because he's a guy that's consistently always there, and he's able to continue to progress himself as an offensive threat in a way. What an even better part is, is the fact that Bluger's back in this lineup and Jankowski isn't.
0: That's the fun part, is it not, boys? Doug, yeah, I'll let you take that one because I know you're a massive Jankowski fan.
2: Yeah, that's that's big is, like, the fact that uh, Jankowski is going to be – seems seems like he's going to be pretty minimalized here. Um, and who knows, he might even not be on the team if, in the next 24 hours. Who knows? Yeah. But, uh, you know. The big thing with them is these depth guys, they've come in and they've pushed out certain players that, you know, I heard you guys use the term uh, on the podcast before, like warm bodies in a sense where, um, you know, like really Mark Jankowski, he's kind of a filler guy. Colton Sevier, even though he's been playing well recently, had two, two goal games this evening, is a is a filler guy, you know? And you see guys like Frederick Adrell and Radius Zahorn to come in and have such a big impact to the point that Coach Sullivan is going to start cutting certain players' minutes, and those guys are going to get a bigger opportunity to uh, come in and help this team.
0: I don't think the importance of Teddy Bluger can be understated to this team. We talked about it when he first got injured following the first Boston game that ended up being back-to-back games of several bad injuries taken for the pittsburgh penguins but him coming back into the lineup we saw him play and kind of light up that fourth line where Zahorna had been playing well that fourth line had been playing pretty well but now with bluger and Zahorna it it brought colton sevier to life he got a two goal game for the first time in multiple multiple seasons and really you just notice the fact that even at the minimalist minimalist level He is a great face-off guy, and the Penguins controlled the face-off dot tonight against the Devils massively. And Crosby, having somebody like Goudreau, who has been great in the face-off dot lately, and now adding Teddy Bluger back to that lineup, that's one of the things that a lot of people have outlined that the Penguins have struggled with over this course of 10, 11 games where they've won the majority of them. People have still been pointing out, yeah, they lose a lot of face-offs, though, but getting a guy like Bluger Black is huge for that and also huge for their penalty killing because even though it has been pretty good since he's been out, having him in is only going to make it better. Yeah, and
1: that was... Face-offs was definitely an issue we've been having. Uh Goudreau going 11-1 and one the other night was pretty incredible. I mean, yeah, that's not a ton of face-offs. I mean, I think Crosby's numbers are usually triple that. <laughs> but Crosby's also taking every draw he can get. And even sometimes... Even Crosby doesn't get those important a wins we've um that's something I not, not noticed today but really thought about while watching today's game it was that um sometimes in those important situations I see Crosby step in and I'm like I mean yeah you can but I want the sure shot mm-hmm. I feel like Teddy Bluger in the face off dot is the sure shot there or more of the I guess <laughs>
0: That's a fair point. Sidney Crosby's face-off percentage this season is still kinda ridiculous how good it is. And and there was a post made by the Penguins PR Twitter page, which is an underrated Twitter follow. If you don't follow them, you should definitely follow them because they throw some really cool stats up there with some good infographics and they highlighted Sidney Crosby's play on both ends of the ice this season and really said selkie votes anyone. And for the second straight season not even the second straight season cuz last year he did struggle a little bit but 2 years ago he got serious consideration for the selkie and this year he might be well on his way to doing that again. Yeah, but
1: we know how that's going to go. It's just going to be Patrice Bergeron again, Jean Couturier will be in there. Come on, we know how this body. Ryan O'Reilly. Yep, that's the last one. I think it would be interesting this year for the awards. I I know this is kind of iceberging the conversation, but I think it'd be interesting this year if that If they picked a nominee from each of the uh, divisions because you could only play in your division it kind of opens it up a little more it'd be interesting maybe do two rounds of voting in it I don't know this is just a thought process I've had and have completely derailed
0: the the podcast I mean that's not a bad idea the only issue with that is I know a lot of people are gonna vote well a lot of people are always gonna vote for Connor McDavid for Hart. And I feel like Austin Matthews has a horse in that race this year. And if you go one per division, somebody there is going to get taken out. It's probably going to be Matthews. And you know Toronto is not going to be happy about that. Well, they can cry into their Nick Foligno money, okay? <laughs> oh, my we can talk about that a little bit later in the in the trade deadline segment because I know Dougie, as he said, this is his Christmas. So once we get to the trade deadline segment later, we're just going to let the reins loose and say, Doug, what do you got for us? But Dougie, I do have a poignant question for you, and it's about the Zucker McCann Rodriguez line, which is currently sitting as the Penguins' second line. But as we all know, Kasperi Kapanen and Evgeny Malkin still out with injury, Malkin finally skating again. What would you do with that line once Gino and Cappy come back?
2: I would make it be your um, I think that that is the cl- first combination of, like, a line that they've had since the HBK line that has the potential to do what the HBK line did. Um, that's why I'm, like, really big into, like, the trade stuff right now. I honestly really want the Penguins to trade for a top nine or top six quality left winger to play with Malkin and Kapanen. So that we can keep Zucker, McCann, and Rodriguez together because they've been so good. Jared McCann has really improved at center since Malkin's injury, and I think that he's proven to uh, the coaching staff and the organization that he's not only is he really well good as a uh, left winger, but he's probably better suited to this team as that third center because – it's so hard to find one. I mean, we we've known this, we've been looking for a third line center since, you know, the Derek Broussard trade. And that was three years ago. So why not just fill it internally with McCann run with it and stick with what's working.
0: And I agree with you perfectly. I literally, put that down in my notes today. I said, why don't we just bump that line down wholesale to the third line, have Malkin and Cappy come back on the same line. And I would honestly stick Tanev there if he was able to get healthy. But as you were talking, we have an update from coach Mike Sullivan on the injury up on the injury front. Freddie Gaudreau left the game with a lower body injury. He will be evaluated when they get back to Pittsburgh. So the injury news just keeps coming for the penguins. Even when we think we're having kind of a, a good day, And we've said it so many times on the podcast the last couple of weeks. Leave a penny, take a penny. We got Teddy Bluger back. We should have expected somebody was going to go out with an injury. And right now it's Freddie G's turn. He's going to be out for who knows how long. We don't even know how the injury is. But he left the game with an injury. We'll see what happens with that. Yeah, that could be anything. I just kind of noticed it while uh,
1: Doug here was talking. And I've been trying to catch up on a couple things. But yeah, that's... That one hurts, especially considering I uh, (laughs) made some pretty bold statements already. I mean, we don't play for three days, so maybe he's able to, maybe it's not much, and it's able to be recovered quickly, but um, again, it's undisclosed. We'll just have to see. It's going to be evaluated uh, tomorrow, I guess, and then they have practices Tuesday and Wednesday, I believe, going into Thursday, so we got time, and that news will
0: unfold as, as the week goes on. Perfect, perfect. Well, Horwat, both me and Dougie have spoke on that line. I want you to just toss in what you think about that line. Both of us have kind of said and agreed that if that was our third line, I'd we'd be pretty set if we're the Pittsburgh Penguins. What do you think about that? Zucker, McCann, and Rodriguez. Just the second line we have now, bumping them down to three. Yeah, I like it. It's a good, solid line, especially having a scoring threat that
1: can um, – Having a scoring threat on pretty much every line is really nice, and McCann and Zucker fit that mold perfectly, where, where Rodriguez is a tool guy who can literally go anywhere. He's just the utility player. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't really staple a position to him. It's um, it's like, I can't think of a good comparison, but he's like a, he's like a utility player in baseball. He plays every position. I'm sure the Pirates have had a couple of those players over the years and we thought were going to work out. But. Yeah,
0: like like Sean Rodriguez. Yeah, there we go. That's the one. <laughs> Literally made that comparison like a week ago, buddy. <laughs> you you must be tired. We, we will give you a break on that one. I know you've had a long day. Uh, but, yeah, no, Sh- Sean, like I said, a utility player from
1: baseball like Sean Rodriguez is perfect, whereas Evan Rodriguez is a guy that can go anywhere. You don't staple a position to him. Um, he's not going to get you the most points. He's not going to make the prettiest plays, but he's going to hold a line together, You know, battle as hard as he can every day in and day out, battle hard on the puck, and just get his nose dirty, which is what he does. And on a line like that where McCann and Zucker aren't necessarily known for being the harder guys, um, having a little bit of grit on it on that line with those three would be really nice. It's just weird saying Rodriguez as much as he is a tool guy, and I've really opened up to him this year. I'd still have to get used to it. That's for sure.
0: And it's funny because at the beginning of this season, everybody was against Evan Rodriguez. And I know I was as well. So I am no, I am not amiss from, from this statement that I'm about to make, but everybody was against Evan Rodriguez, probably partially because of where he was in the lineup, him playing with Sidney Crosby, especially when Kappen finally came back to the lineup and they persisted to have Evan Rodriguez with Sidney Crosby, I think that just escalated the hatred for Rodriguez. And there was hatred. I'm not going to say there wasn't, because you could see on Penn's Twitter, people did not like him being on that line. And now we see him on this second line and this supporting role in saying, listen, Evan Rodriguez would be a great third liner for this team. It, everything would be Millhouse if we could have a healthy enough lineup to have him be on the third line. But, It's weird, the shift in that, because he hasn't picked up that many more points than he was when he was on the top line with Crosby, but it's just the way that he's playing with guys that are closer to his expected talent level. People expected Evan Rodriguez to bring what Kasperi Kapanen brings, and he's not going to do that because he's not Kasperi Kapanen, and that's unfair (laughs) to just label him as being close to the level of Kasperi Kapanen. But Evan Rodriguez is a guy that molds to what the team needs, and he does it to the best of his ability. And I think he's done that terrifically in a second-line role right now. And I also think the addition of him being on McCann's wing... Listen, McCann has been wing, center, wing, center. We don't know how it's going to work. Can he take the responsibilities as a center? Well, this takes a little bit of the pressure off McCann because if he can't play center, then Rodriguez can jump in there and McCann can go back to wing. And it's just something to make everybody on that line comfortable. So I really like that line as it is right now, I think they're playing extremely well. And I think it's going to be a massive help for the Pittsburgh Penguins to be able to trust a line like this and then just basically inject another full line on the second on the second line whenever everybody that's injured gets back to healthy, hopefully by the end of the season, which we would expect.
2: Yeah. Doug? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with that. Um,
0: what were you saying? I'm just I'm in full agreement with it. I see where it's coming from. Yeah. Yeah. The one last thing I did want to mention before we cut to break and get into the trade deadline talk is Cody Ceci because the show on at and Net tonight highlighted the fact that he leads the team in plus minus, and we've all been kind of outspoken on what we think of the plus minus stat. And both me and Horwath agree that if it's ridiculous to one way or the other, that's when you bring it up. Well, he's leading the team, so I feel like we, we, he deserves us to bring it up here. He's a plus 15 this season. And he is... I, I don't, but he's, he's leading the team with a plus 15. And remembering at the beginning of the season, whenever we had just signed him and we looked at this and we said, how did we switch Schultz and Johnson for CeCe and Matheson? it's better but can it be that much better cody cc alone has blown that out of the water if we compare cody cc to what justin schultz brought to the table for the penguins last season it's not even close cody cc's puck movement his defensive responsibility the way that he's able to clear his own net front even though he doesn't do it perfectly he does it better than most of the players on the penguins right now at least defense wise and then yes mike matheson can be a train wreck But is he as much of a train wreck as Jack Johnson is? I know that offensively, he is 100 times better. So the Penguins, if you look at it now, 42 games into the season, if you're asking the question, did they upgrade their third pairing from last season? The answer is 150% yes. Doug, what do you think about the way that Cody Cece has played this season on a one-year deal, no less?
2: Very, very surprising um you know there's that running joke in football that tom brady was a system quarterback cody cc might honest to god be a system defense because this is this is just like a fantastic you know renaissance for him and i wouldn't i wouldn't say that he replaced schultz and that max replaced jack johnson i would say it's the other way around just in terms of like the style they play and the roles that they play you know i think um for whatever reason, they play really well together. I can't put my finger on it, but yeah, there's there's the occasional like Matheson hiccup, but that that gets made up every single time. He just makes his zone entry himself and dekes out a goalie, you know. But um, I I it's it's kind of bad when we're in a spot where we trust Math where I trust Matheson and Cece more than I trust Pedersen and Jarno. You know, it's, like, a good thing and a bad thing. But, um, honestly, like, it's crazy with where they're at um, in terms of the defense because of how much of a grave concern that was for not even just last year in the bubble or, like, last year before the stoppage, but, like, I would say a good two or three years. We were very worried about the defense beyond the Duman-Latang pairing. And, you know, we didn't know how the rest of the lineup was going to shake out on defense. So this is big.
1: Yeah. It's especially if you bring up the last couple years, cause I mean, yeah, we had Johnson and Schultz. We at least still had belief in Schultz for a little while, but then you also got to remember the guys we brought in. Eric and Branson was on our team at one point. Um, the downfall of Ole Mata hit us all like a ton of bricks. And I can't remember more names, but like just those guys that have had to play filler roles in our lineup. I mean, this is a problem we've had that dates back to the days of Robert Bortuzzo being on our team we usually always have our top two guys and then you kind of just wonder what the hell's going on with the bottom six, the bottom uh, four there, the last two pairings. So it's really interesting. And it's a great point to make that we finally have something that looks decent um, in all six defensive positions. And it's something to look, look at as a good thing. Yeah. It's not ideal having John Marino and Marcus Patterson be the third pairing. And you're a little more scared with them on the ice than you are with, Matheson and CeCe, but if it's all working and it's all clicking, and then it's all working and all clicking, and then there's not too much to worry about. Uh, do you want me to read off some of these plus minuses, by the way? Yeah, go for it. So, this uh, this is from hockey reference and not fully updated. So, this is just before today's game. You mentioned Cody CeCe leading with 15. Crystal Tang has 13 before tonight. Mm-hmm. So, he'd be second. Uh, Kasperi Kapanen with 12. Brandon Tanev with 12. Brian Dumoulin with 12 that's all the pluses I'll read but I'll get into the minuses Jason Zucker is winning the green jacket the old masters of the minus eight figure it's Master Sunday I'd bring up the uh, lowest one right now although I think
0: that may have changed did that change today did he get a plus anywhere I'm not sure because his line didn't score any goals the first line uh, accounted for three of the goals and then the fourth line accounted for the other two
1: yeah so that's not ideal for Zucker
0: but yeah he's he's the old green jacket winner this year so far also a quick congratulations to Hideki Matsuyama he's who won the masters right first Japanese born golfer to win a major tournament in the PGA that's a really cool thing and so congratulations to him my pick of Brooks Kepka was dead in the water about two days ago so I won't get too much into that but no I like what you bring up there with the defense and both of you guys mentioned Pedersen and Marino and the fact that those are technically being deployed as our last pairing. And as of late, Pedersen has played a lot better, and so has John Marino. So it is starting to come together for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And if you look at the foundation of the way that they've played in these last couple of weeks and what has catapulted them to damn near first place in the division, it's been a strong defensive game. And even from their forwards being able to crash the zone and just kind of suffocate teams in the neutral zone, it's something that they have done extremely well as of late. And it's something that you saw them try to revert to in tonight's game against the New Jersey Devils and it working in the third period to an extent. Yeah, in the second period, the Devils were able to kind of control the pace of play. But even though they had so many more shots and so many more opportunities in the Penguins in that second period, there weren't many grade A chances. The Penguins were able to keep them to the outside and keep Casey, or not Casey DeSmith, but Tristan Jari relatively clean other than that one opportunity that Jari had against Sharangovich or Sharangovic right in front of the net where he just robs him with the glove hand. So that was fantastic. But I, I want to wrap up our discussion on the Penguins as of right now and the games that has happened, but any last thoughts on, on tonight's game or this road trip as a whole? We'll start with Dougie.
2: The only thing that I want to say over like the past couple of games is and I don't know if you guys have covered this in past episodes, but whenever everybody comes back, Jared McCann needs to stay on the top power play in it. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all I got. All right.
0: We we have discussed that a little bit. We mentioned it very briefly, and both of us stating that obviously, of getting Malkin is going to be a guy that comes onto the top power play, but it's going to come down to McCann or Rust, and it's hard to take Rust off with the way he's been shooting the puck too. But McCann on that power play, that production's there as well. So it's going to be a tough decision for for Sullivan.
1: Or Reardon, whoever's creating the lineups, but, you know, yeah, still, I, uh... I, I think it just depends. You know, we'll see how they feel going into it when everyone's back. I mean, if everyone's able to kind of have a chemistry and be on the same page, I mean, you could even f- go back and forth a little, play some real free-form hockey and just kind of throw guys out there. I don't know. This is why I'm not a coach, but... <laughs> You know, if it's we have that many shooters, you got
0: something to look at. So Dougie, you, you had something to say there. I didn't wanna wanna cut you off before you said anything.
2: Yeah, you're good. Um the difficult thing for Sully and Rudin, I think, is gonna be just like the player management of it whenever everybody comes back with the power play, because McCann should stay there, but like he should also stay in that left point spot which has been occupied by Malkin for years so like i don't know like that obviously malkin's gonna stay on the top unit mccann would take russ spot and like do you play malkin at the right half wall at that point like do you put him at that right wing spot let him just kind of bomb it from the right half wall
0: that's where he scored the majority of his his power play goals at least off the top of my head that's where you think of getting malkin scoring on the power play so you would think that that leads to probably the most success, wouldn't you?
2: Yeah, I would agree. Um, that's that's like how I feel about it. And the big thing that I think they need to start doing is try to run that um, power play setup the Maple Leafs run, where you know Marner is constantly feeding it to Matthews right in that little pocket in the middle of the slot, and it's like dynamite for them. And with how good Sid is working it down low, I have, I see no reason why he wouldn't be able to feed McCann, Gensel, or Malkin for, for goals like that on the power play.
0: It would certainly add another element to the Penguins power play right now, which is, to be honest, been pretty hot as of late. Of course, they picked up another goal late in their power play earlier today with a beautiful play of passing, finishing with a Gensel goal, taking advantage of Lindy Ruff's mistake to challenge the goal late in the second period so the penguins power play is doing really well you don't want to change too too much i think if it's starting to work because you don't want to tinker what's not broken because the penguins power play has been broken for a while this season so the fact that they're finally starting it to get it together i don't know if they're going to introduce anything too much but i could see in the future if you were able to perfect something of what the Maple Leafs are doing I think the Penguins do I agree with you the Penguins have the players to do it but I'm just not sure Reardon is going to want to implement that this late into a season whenever he's finally getting his power play to have some form of success do the Leafs do the drop
2: do they drop pass on their way in no it's it was what they do is it, it was a lot similar to um, the Evan Rodriguez power play goal um, right off the face off where Latang got it where they won the drop Latang got it and then Zucker was kind of like that man behind Letang, and then he fed it down to rust. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: For okay. what I know why you asked that because both of us go crazy when we see that drop back and, and those, those drop passes on the breakout for the penguins power play. Yeah. Their zone entry could use a lot of work, but it's unfortunately still a big portion of the Todd Reardon power play, but we're going to take a quick break right now. When we return We will be talking trade deadline talk. I know Dougie is chomping at the bit to talk a little bit about the deadline. So we will be right back after a quick break. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust?
1: We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL.
0: Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky along with Nick Horwat and Doug Gladkey here on this fine Sunday evening talking Pittsburgh Penguins on trade deadline eve. Almost like Christmas Eve. It is Christmas Eve if your name is Doug Gladkey. So, Dougie, my first question for you is what have you thought so far of a, a somewhat subpar
2: lead up to the big day? I mean, I'm I'm just Very surprised at what some of these guys are going for, like the paying rate. It's crazy to me that the uh, most expensive player on the trade market so far this year was Nifolino. That just blows me away. Well, Felino and Savard. But the big reason that that is, is because, you know, you got that third team in there, you got a pill for money because Tampa and Toronto are both so strapped to the cap. But like, The big one that was surprising to me was uh, John Merrill. He only went for I think a fifth round pick today, and he's he was such a good he was one of Detroit's most important defensemen this year. You would have thought that they would have been able to get at least a third out of him with how good he was. And Montreal really that was that was a big steal for them. That that was a good trade.
1: It was uh, a fifth and an AHL slash junior player named Hayden Verbeek.
2: So that's and not much deal. at
0: all.
1: Yeah, for John Merrill, that's not much.
0: And the Canadians are a team that, well, we saw them last season look a lot better than we expected, and then they added a whole lot since that small series the Penguins played them in the play-ins. You have to think about the fact that they have Toffoli, they have Anderson. They got Corey Perry, and then they also just went out and got somebody else besides John Merrill, but I'm blanking on who it was. Uh, oh, Eric Stahl as well. So they've really changed their lineup from a team that was pretty competitive last year in the postseason.
2: Yeah, they, yeah. they're uh, they're good. They they look like they can be really good. Um, you know, they're using Akaneemi and Suzuki in I think second capacities and they still have Phil Dineau so like they're loaded at center Eric Stahl I think is playing with Corey Perry on the fourth line right now that's Mm -hmm. that's a scary team if they're able to uh just keep themselves afloat for the rest of the year and make it in as that fourth spot in the north division
0: let's jump to a little bit of Penguins talk here because on this fine Sunday as I said it was the Penguins had a little bit of a scare at least by my accords, is about midway through the day, a couple hours before puck drop against the New Jersey Devils, we had news that Pierre-Olivier Joseph was scratched from the AHL game for the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Penguins, and no explanation was given at the time, so we had to sit there and watch that, and with the proximity to the trade deadline day, You almost felt like, okay, maybe a move is coming. Maybe it includes POJ and it's for a bigger player, or maybe it's a defenseman on the bro team right now and POJ is just getting a call-up. Who knows what's going to happen? And then a couple of minutes later, we get news from Elliot Friedman on Twitter. He breaks news of a trade between the Penguins and the Ducks for, wait for it, not ricardo raquel nick delorier the fourth liner scrappy guy with four goals and four assists on the season kind of a lower level colton sevier if not just an adjacent level colton sevier and the penguins twitter just completely blows up because nobody was ever thinking about nicholas delorier and nobody was happy with the trade for nicholas delorier i'm not too against the guy I just don't think he fits in with the pittsburgh penguins i'm not sure he fits in with many teams right now that are going for a playoff spot but luckily about an hour later elliot freeman posts again kind of a, an update deal is not done they're working on it and then we find out okay po joseph after the game taylor hassey from dk pittsburgh sports says poj missed the game because of illness so kind of taking him out of the trade speculation for a time being then we find DeLaurier is in the lineup for the Ducks and then we find okay the Penguins and the Ducks were talking But are no longer talking a deal is not likely to happen before the deadline tomorrow The DeLaurier talk is stalled out and is done to me That is a breath of fresh air because I don't want to give anything up for a player like Nick DeLaurier I don't think he adds enough for the Pittsburgh Penguins right now And he certainly doesn't add enough to warrant giving up an asset to me let's start with with Dougie because you were texting me throughout this whole thing and you had several choice words about this whole saga. What were your thoughts throughout the day as this progression that I just explained happened on Twitter?
2: Well, I'm not going to lie to you. I was shaking in my boots because um, after the win in Boston, I put out my uh, typical, this is going to be one hell of a ride tweet. And Hockey Troll replied to me and said, you say this every year. And I said, hey, for whatever reason, Nick Laurier was in my head. I said, Watch, they're going to trade for Nick DeLaurier and screw the whole thing up and i was like this can't be happening this can't be coming to fruition right now but the thing that was most scary was he's not a rental he has an extra year of term at one million dollars and it's a guy that really doesn't even fit our lineup when in when they're this injured um also breaking news mike riley just got traded to boston
0: well, they're gonna need something after the way that they just got ram rocked by the Washington Capitals tonight.
2: <laughs> Call that boat race. Yeah, but um, back to DeLorye though. That was a head scratcher. I'm glad that the uh, talk stalled out because, with the going rate for um, players right now, I think the Penguins can get in in the mix a lot more than uh, people were anticipating them to. I- think that they can get a quality player somebody who can play with Malkin or Cap and Kapanen or just play in a third line capacity and be a contributor because you know the, the big rumor right now is that um, Taylor Hall is not going to get a first round pick in return They're not, he's not going to yield a first round pick in return for Buffalo and I'm not saying that it's possible <laughs> but like when when that's something that can ha- when that's going on i feel like you have to at least check in and see what the price actually is
0: you got to give a call right you have to
1: <laughs> that's kind of how we always look at things remember i think it was last year whenever we all thought um latang was on the trade that was on the trade block or malcolm was or someone it was just no he's literally just asking other gms If he was out there, what would the return be? That's something you could easily do with uh, in that situation here as well. Just kind of, you know Taylor Hall's out there and you're just kind of going, so what is the asking price exactly?
0: Listen, when it comes to Taylor Hall, he is clearly not had a great season because he's clearly not playing on a good team. It would be so much fun to kind of harken back to the days of Ray Shiro where we see the big name trade deadline target, and we get the big name trade deadline target. And the fact that he's not going to get a first round pick when Nick Felino did, is kind of ridiculous. It kind of makes me feel like I'm not sure what Kyle Dubas is looking at in Nick Felino, unless Nick Felino goes out and scores a goal a game and we're just completely shocked that seemed like an overpay I don't want to judge on that mainly because I haven't watched the Maple Leafs I don't know what they're missing I haven't watched the Blue Jackets that much this year so I don't even know what Nick Foligno is going to bring to the table this season but knowing based on his history yeah he's a little bit grittier which is something that the Maple Leafs could use Uh, I sound like old man watches hockey using the word grit but I I abide by it anyway and I, I don't know I felt like that was an overpay and I feel like Taylor Hall has just lost so much value by playing in that black hole of an organization this year that the fact that he's not going to fetch a first round pick, which seemed like it it seemed like one of the few guarantees in life at the beginning of the season, that the Sabres were going to trade Taylor Hall for a first round pick at some point in this campaign. And now the fact that they might not even get that before the trade deadline is kind of astonishing.
1: Yeah, uh, but. Real quick, before we continue, while you just rail your knee into the shelf there. Doug, did me and you both look at the same tweet? Did we both have that reaction
2: to that? Are you you, you talking about Jeff Carter? Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised by it right now. I don't really know how to process it. So,
1: Berlinski, from the top rope, out of retirement, Bob McKenzie tweets, could veteran center Jeff Carter be on his way to Pittsburgh? Los Angeles Kings and pittsburgh have had discussions on that and are believed to be working towards making that happen
0: i mean ron hextall if he wants to undo anything jim rutherford did the younger faster angle that would be a, a surefire attack on, on all of that but i don't know jeff carter he still has a good shot and, and i i don't really know what more he brings i know the penguins were talking to the kings about alex follow earlier in the week but maybe they broke down the talks for Follow and they said, you know what? We have a lightly used Jeff Carter, if you would be interested. And I'm not sure what the return for that would be. Maybe a lightly chewed pack of gum, but I'm open to it, I guess. I don't know. We, we both mentioned on the last episode that we like seeing new players, and I don't know. At, something to that feels to me like last year with Marlo. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Uh, what do you guys think?
1: Uh, Doug you go ahead and start it I'm just seeing what else is up right.
2: So if they were going to go For one of the veteran guys From the Kings I thought for sure it was going to be Dustin Brown Because he's been doing really good this year He's had decent numbers Big power forward We know at least in the past Early on in his career Or at the peak of his career He was able to fight I mean he could really throw him but uh, Jeff Carter is interesting. Um, he has this year and next year left on his contract at a $5.27 million cap hit. And one would have to imagine that the Kings would retain 50% of that. And I could easily see a third team get involved to you know, broker some money here.
0: They, they would almost have to because the Penguins have damn near negative cap space right now or you would have to imagine something is going back that has a relatively decent number.
1: Yeah. This, this, this is a wild one. I just want to know where Bob McKenzie got this one from the retirement home. Not that he's that old, but I mean, should I say from the beaches to
0: Bob McKenzie, right?
1: In no shade. I mean, it was from the top rope out of
0: retirement. I mean, What? I mean, yeah, I guess you still have your sources, but, um... Listen, for another reference of the times right now, Bob McKenzie to Trade Deadline is like Undertaker to WrestleMania. It's just that time of the year where he just pops out of nowhere to make his presence felt.
1: Yeah, I mean, and this one might be a two-day affair, just like this year's.
0: (laughs) I mean, there hasn't been anything before, so today, all this news that we've gotten during this episode, and then tomorrow is going to be crazy, So hopefully... If not, it'll. This is the first time I've been off of work for a trade deadline day in my life. Watch it be nothing, and I just sit there staring at my phone with no updates.
1: This one already feels busier than last year.
0: And that's saying something. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll we'll keep our eyes on Twitter for the rest of this recording too. Apparently. Yeah, I guess that's something that we're gonna need to do. I mean, Alex Follow is somebody who me and Doug talked about a little bit earlier in the weekend whenever those rumors first started popping off. And I was like, you know what? I don't hate that. He's a guy that helps out the Pittsburgh Penguins. He can play up and down the lineup. And he's a guy that right now, I haven't seen his name thrown out there a lot. So maybe the price tag isn't going to be too hefty. Jeff Carter is completely out of left fields, but it, it seems as if the Penguins general manager, Ron Hextall is keen to calling back his former places of employment because there was also talk with him and Scott Lawton possibly being a match earlier in the week. Dougie, what do you think about Scotty Lawton? I know he's somebody who you also circled early on as well.
2: I feel like Scott Lawton would check a lot of boxes for the Penguins, and at least at at this point would probably be a more viable option than Jeff Carter because Scott Lawton's a lot younger. And the nice thing about Lawton is he's super physical. Like, you guys— I mean, we've seen it over the years. Every single time he's playing the Penguins or the Capitals, he's always in the mix. And he—he's he, a—he's a damn good third-line center. I think that he would be the clo- the closest thing you could get on the trade market to a, a Nick Benino type of player, where he's like gritty in the sense of he's going to block shots relentlessly and do what he everything he can to help the team win. That would have to probably be a three-team deal as well. But I mean. I'd love to have him here. I think that he'd be a perfect fit. And another person from Philadelphia that I saw uh, some tweets about potentially being shopped or available is Nolan Patrick. And who knows what the price is on that. If I'm wrong, I would look into it because to get somebody that young uh, to be your third line center or potentially a top nine winger option would be interesting. But I'd be surprised if they move him. That would be a mistake on Philadelphia's end, wouldn't you think?
1: Yeah, I think so.
2: To, to give now, a, a just player that dumb. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, while we continue it, I have one more tweet. This isn't much, but it's from Dan Kangursky, who has commented on the Jeff Carter thing, but then went on to say, Source has told his place, P- uh, Pittsburgh Hockey Now that, they have also, that the Penguins have also inquired about Ryan Getzlaff and are waiting to hear if he's available tomorrow. <laughs> Didn't we already go down this road of getting people Sidney Crosby like? Like yeah, and we really the, need to do this again. Yeah, the rest of the tweet was the pending UFA could re-sign with Anaheim in the summer, so he's in the last year of his deal. I, that that one would be, I think, at the bottom of the list out of all of these is Getzlaf. Yeah, I'd take Carter
0: over Getzlaf as of right now.
1: Yeah, that's a wild one. Keep keep your eyes on Twitter, everyone. If you're still watching us live, um, there's there's about to be a storm.
0: There's definitely something brewing for for trade deadline day. Dougie, anything else you wanted to bring up? I mean, first of all, before we do that, the Nolan Patrick thing, I forgot, I didn't even, even kind of talk about that, is Nolan Patrick is so young and so talented. He was a second overall pick. Why would you give up on that? Yeah, I get that the Flyers have kind of played their way out of a playoff spot for this year, and it's crazy because if you ask about three weeks ago, the Predators were probably the biggest sellers and the Flyers were not even thought to be a seller, but now... The Predators aren't selling anything. If anything, they might buy a piece or two because they're close to a playoff spot. And the Philadelphia Flyers have dropped so fast that they're also out as well. Like, they're out and they're getting ready to sell. But I, I don't see the Nolan Patrick thing. With the age of their core, Nolan Patrick is the next wave for them. Him and Travis Konechny should lead the next wave for the Philadelphia Flyers. So to trade him away at this stage of his career would be asinine on Philly's part. So if it happens, I'm going to laugh my head off. And if it doesn't happen, I'm just going to say, you know what? That was probably the smart move.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, but I also thought about this in the back of my mind as you were talking Berlansky. maybe um, it's an expansion draft thing. Maybe they think that they don't have, they have too many players that need protected to protect Nolan Patrick. You got to think of it this way. Connecting is going to get protected. Oscar Lindblom's going to get protected. Um, obviously, Katerie Giroux, Jake Voracek, guys like that will get protected. And then I think you have JVR on a full no move. And I bet Kevin Hayes has a no trade in there as well, just based on the term of his contract. And those are guys that by default, unless you get them to agree to be exposed, you have to protect.
0: yeah that that is something i didn't even think about i keep forgetting that the expansion draft is coming up after this season just because of how much of a roller coaster the regular season has been but that's what a lot is going to go into the trade deadline is people prepping for that especially the teams that are on the outside looking in and aren't really looking to get into a playoff spot as of right now so that is a very good point that i hadn't even thought of and the flyers are going to definitely be in a pickle there the penguins not as bad as the Flyers in that case, but the Penguins are going to have a tough time with the, the expansion draft this time around as well. Horwat, I don't know if you saw something on Twitter, but you, you've been kind of flopping around over there. So so what's going on? I've had my ears on you guys
1: and my eyes on Twitter. Um, this is a fun one. Toronto is absolutely going all in by acquiring goaltender David Rittich. Big save Dave. Wow, did Calgary
0: give up already?
1: I guess so, and that this, by the way, is all but packing
0: Freddie Anderson's bags, right? Like, yeah, I was very shocked to see that he almost went earlier in the week. But the fact that Freddie Anderson—I never would have been able to call the fact that Jack Campbell was going to steal Freddie Anderson's job this soon. Jack Campbell's also eleven and zero right now. Well, he is, but before the season, I would have never no, thought of that. Not one bit.
1: The Leafs have been a weird—you cut. Kind- the Leafs are a team that you look at and you figure this team kind of should be a tire fire just because they have so many great players, but um, are in a very bad division. Yeah. but then that's probably how they're pl- picking up all these wins, but like still they're playing phenomenal hockey right now. And you, picking up David Rittich, who could be a starter, but who yeah, knows? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember I was angry at the Calgary Flames last year for not starting him in the playoffs. Two years in a row I was angry with him about it because he was the one that, sh- that was getting them wins and they lost in the first round because they weren't playing him. So, yeah, this, uh, Dave, are He could go up there and maybe be a starter in a way. Calgary is also retaining 50% of it. Jeez. Um, so, yeah, Toronto's, uh,
0: they're building up for that first round loss this year, aren't they? They, they they really are. And here's the thing with Toronto. If they can get rid of Freddie Anderson, and it's weird to say they can get rid of him because he's still a very good goaltender, but if they can unload Freddie Anderson's contract and still have good goaltending to at least a modicum of the level that he provided for them over the past five, six seasons, that is such a great thing for them because they were going to be in deep trouble having to re-sign Freddie coming up and still being able to be competitive because Freddie had been, you know the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit of, of Maple Leafs goaltending in the past half decade, really the entire Matthews era. So the fact that they're able to kind of move on from that and help themselves to a little bit of a better cap situation, that is a luck out for Kyle Dubas and the gang.
1: Yep. Going into the playoffs with a some some space, I'm assuming. I'm assuming they're not able to move him this year, but he'll probably be on LTIR for the rest of the year in Anderson. Mm-hmm. But it's gonna go into the they're gonna head into the playoffs with a David Riddich and undefeated Jack Campbell.
0: Well, might not be undefeated by the time the playoffs roll around. Otherwise, that'd be crazy to go the whole season being undefeated. But there's only like 16 games left in the season, and
1: and they're bringing in David Riddish, so we'll see where it goes.
2: Yeah. yeah, the big thing about Freddie though that makes me think they could potentially unload him is. That his cap hit is $5 million, but his contract was so front-loaded at the beginning of the deal that his salary for this year, I think, is only $2 million. So, like, they could offload that to a team that, you know, maybe just wants to have a goalie or recoup an asset in some, some sense. And the ownership really doesn't have to worry about paying Freddie big money because it's a $2 million salary, and most of that has already been paid by the Maple Leafs.
0: Send Freddie Anderson back to Anaheim. Let John Gibson go up to Seattle. There we go. The NHL wins. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I just want John Gibson to go to a good team. that's That's my only hope in that whole situation. But before we go to our last segment, I do want to ask this because this is the last chance that we're going to get to talk to you folks, the listeners, before the trade deadline. We're going to finish it with a definitive yes or no. Should the Penguins make a move? I say no. They should probably stand Pat. Horwat, you've been on the no train for a while. What do you say right now? Last-ditch effort. What do you say right before the deadline? Yeah, I'm still
1: saying no. I'm, I was a lot more confident in it last week, but um, yeah, it's definitely a no still for me. It is a no for me, sir.
0: Dougie, what do you think? Should they make a move or should they hold Pat?
2: As much as I want them to make a move, I want to say no, because the the players that they've been in on the past six hours have been horrifying.
0: It's kind of gotten worse. I don't know how you could get worse from almost acquiring Nick Delorier, but Ryan Getzlav, we say Jeff Carter is lightly used. Ryan Getzlav, I don't even want to finish that statement because it's not rated PG, but like... He's definitely not certified pre-owned is what you're saying. Correct. That is scrapyard stuff right there. Oh, goodness. Dougie, you say no as well?
2: Yeah, I'm going to say no just for our own good.
0: Well, there you have it. From the tip of the iceberg featuring Doug Gladkey, the pain ones better not make a move or else we're going to have to jump on again tomorrow night and just yell about it because – the last six hours have not produced very many good target names for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but we're going to take a quick break when we return our weekly Pens poll. We'll be right back.
2: What's up, everybody?
1: This is Taylor and Brendan from Straight Up Sabres of the Hockey Podcast Network. Things are not going very well in Sabreland uh, this season or really for the past 10 years or so. However, we here at Straight Up Sabres are so excited to keep bringing you guys the latest Sabres news with everything ranging from interviews with some of your favorite Twitter
2: follows all the way up to former players and everything in between. We have got you covered with your weekly coverage of the Buffalo Sabres.
0: That's right. We got a lot coming up uh, through the rest of the season and into the offseason. Who's going to coach the team next year? Uh, Is Kevin Adams going to have a new boss? Will he be a president of hockey operations? Will there be an assistant GM? Are they going to fill out their scouting staff? How many times will I cry next season? Maybe zero. I'm dead inside. Will Jack will be here? Sam Reinhardt going to get extended? You know, all this and more on Straight Up Sabres.
1: Exciting stuff. So make sure you're checking us out wherever you're listening to podcasts and following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, at Straight Up
2: Sabres, and on Twitter, at Straight Sabres.
0: Welcome back to the tip of the iceberg, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Horwath, for about the 12th time, has sent me a tweet when I was just about to get back onto it, but I will look at that in a second. We're at the tip of the iceberg podcast brought to you by the hockey podcast network, Nick Berlansky, Nick Horwat, featuring Dougie Gladkey. We have our pens poll and let me check this tweet from Bob McKenzie. Yeah. Jeff Carter is officially a Pittsburgh penguin, according to Bob McKenzie. So I don't think we can get to our pens poll as of yet. This episode has been crazy and the turns just keep on coming. Jeff Carter, a Pittsburgh penguin Horwat why did you not just come out and just stop me and you sent that to me and had the anticipation build jeff carter to the penguins wow i I could not have imagined that in my wildest dreams i'm glad we caught that on live uh but yeah lightly used jeff carter to the penguins we're gonna wait i don't know if we're gonna be able to wait out to see the return on live but Let's go around. We talked a little bit about the potential. Now that he's actually a Pittsburgh Penguin, does anybody want to change their opinions on Jeff Carter? Dougie, we'll start with you.
2: All right, so I'm going to go to a tweet here. I've I've seen some very good um, visuals um, while on with you guys. He still has a really good expected goals for percentage. Um, I think he looks like he can be very effective five-on-five five still. And as a potential third-line center, I think that's all you need, right? Um, it's for him to just be effective five-on-five. Five. Um, I'd imagine he's not going to kill penalties. I think your guys on the PK will probably be, at least at center, would be Teddy Luger and potentially Freddie D. He's healthy. But um, my goodness, guys, this is a, this is a wide left turn, isn't it?
1: This one is definitely out of left field um, because it's a name that we have not discussed before. Exactly. We, the IFAW discussion happened for a minute. The Ricard Raquel happened for a little bit. Hell, early in the season, the John Gibson talk happened for a minute. <laughs> yeah. This is one that really never kind of crossed our minds and didn't cross our paths. And now all of a sudden, hey, This guy. It's like when Marlowe happened. That came out of nowhere. It's not exactly like when Marlowe happened, because that was a bit of a different story, and a bit more of an atrocity, but it's just one of those guys It's just out of nowhere. No one's paying attention to it, and then boom. There it is. It's happening. I mean, we also only have two tweets from Bob McKenzie, by the way. Let's not fully say it's happened, but those are, I mean, that's a pretty reputable source that we're just going to keep
0: our eye on and see if more happens, but well, damn. Yeah, that is definitely something that came straight out of left field. Not something that I was expecting whenever we logged on to start this episode of the tip of the iceberg, but the penguins, I mean, Bob McKenzie's usually very reputable. And what are the odds that in the same day, the penguins had confirmed a trade that was wrong. And Elliot Freeman was wrong. And Bob McKenzie was wrong about a trade to the penguins too. So I would imagine, especially the fact that he tweeted that Jeff Carter saying his goodbyes to his friends and his teammates. I think that is just a 100% set in stone then. So Jeff Carter is coming to the Penguins. And actually, I have Jordy Cunningham coming on the show right now. He's working on getting his stuff set up to talk a little bit about this trade. Uh, I know we were getting ready to talk about our Penns poll. And literally, let me actually bring up our Penns poll right now because this is quite perfect, to be completely honest. Our Penns poll last week was... Which area do you want to see GM Ron Hextall address before the trade deadline next week? I'm not going to say who lost. Bottom six center won with 42%, and that is exactly what Ron Hextall just acquired. Thankfully, he moved away from Nick Delorier and, and got a guy like Jeff Carter, who has eight goals on the season, which is not a low, low number for a bottom six center. And honestly, yeah, he's a little bit older. Uh, did Dougie, did you say uh, his contract
2: earlier? I can't remember. It's this year and next, and it's, it's a weird number, but it basically rounds off to $5.27 million.
0: So we definitely have to keep track of how the Penguins respond when it comes to salary cap stuff. But joining us now, Jordy Cunningham of the King's Den. Very unexpected, but thank you, Jordy, for jumping on at a moment's notice.
3: What's going on, guys? What's, uh, what just, do we have here? Uh,
0: nothing much. I, just something that we randomly stumbled upon in the middle of a live show. Yes. I did not. Like I've heard, I follow. I've heard
3: Brown. I haven't heard much about Carter. I really didn't think this was going to happen.
0: So Jordy, let us know. How has Jeff Carter been playing? We can look at his numbers all day, but realistically, none of us have studied the, the Kings nearly as much as you have this season. What is Jeff Carter looking like right now?
3: You know, he,
0: he came into the season
3: flying for like a 36 year old, like, he he had a lot of injuries the past couple of years, and honestly, he was one of the veterans where all the time, like the like. Remember, the Kings were in the bubble, right? So they went ten months without playing, and he got hurt in like January, February, whenever it was. So Carter didn't play for about a year, and he came out of the gates flying. But in a, even in a shortened season, you could see that the fatigue got to him a little bit. Like over the last, from about March 1st on, he has struggled a little bit, but he has goals. And I think two of the last three or four games, he's been playing a little better of late. And he's like, oh, that's just going to bring more veteran leadership to this Penguins team.
0: It's definitely something they're not lacking, but it's always nice to add as well. I'm just, I was completely shocked because we came back from break. Horwath, his eyes lit up and I got a message from him on on Twitter and now it is all devolved into chaos. The penguins getting Jeff Carter for who knows what, at this point, TSN's Bob McKenzie reporting it initially. Dougie, you mentioned something about his analytics and his puck possession his uh, expected goals. D- do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? I know I, I kind of lost the blinders
2: whenever everything went down. I mean, I just, so Jay Fresh Hockey just tweeted his up player card and When it doesn't look pretty, um, it doesn't look super cosmetic. I would say, but it would look better than, you know, Mark Jankowski, or anybody else they would have potentially, you know, thrown out there um, as a third line center instead of Jared McCann. Um, But I I like this. I like this move for them because it's probably going to keep McCann on the wing and i mean i don't know i mean i i don't i'm not big on jeff carter but i feel like they could have done a whole hell of a lot worse i mean we just you know basically cheated death by losing out on a trade for nick delaurier so i'll take it
3: uh these are completely unrelated but also in the last five minutes uh david riddich has gone from calgary to toronto and Braden corbin has gone from the senators to the islanders
0: trading Coburn as well. That's another name that's different. So yeah, trade deadline day is heating up at 11 PM on the Sunday prior.
1: Bob McKenzie has another update for us on the Carter deal. It's apparently the Kings will be retaining salary. Does not say how much. You know, I could have told you that.
0: Yeah. That probably 50% is yeah. probably.
1: Yeah.
0: There. Like that's the only way
3: like these veterans, like Carter and Brown, the only way the deal is getting done is yeah. if the Kings are retaining
1: salary. And it, Looks like the Kings will be receiving a couple of conditional draft picks. Interesting.
0: I, I wonder if the, one of the conditions is if the Penguins win the Stanley Cup. That would be fantastic. There you go. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. So it's true. So,
0: re- so the rest of this night's about to get
1: wild. Um, we weren't gonna turn this into a streamathon, and we're still not. But yeah,
3: we're, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, yeah, we're, yeah we're, we will not be on here past midnight. needs to go to bed.
1: Yeah. the
3: start of the show.
0: Well, now I'm wide awake. I'm giddy now, but yeah, this will be fun. So it, it doesn't seem as if right now like any players are going back from Pittsburgh to L.A. There's still time for Bob McKenzie to throw another Bob bomb down. But conditional draft picks for a guy like Jeff Carter, especially when we don't know the nature of Freddie Gaudreau's injury he sustained during tonight's game. So we'll see how all of that plays out. But as we mentioned earlier, GM Ron Hextall likes dealing with his former team so far. He's only made two moves. In the three months of being Penguins general manager, one was a waiver pickup of Mark Friedman from the Philadelphia Flyers and now a trade for Jeff Carter of the LA Kings, going back to his old stomping grounds as Hextall to pick up his new players for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's crazy. And, and Rob Blake loves making moves and he loves taking chances
3: on guys as well. So maybe uh, he can try to like snag a guy that Pittsburgh's kind of lost faith in, sort of thing, like a younger guy. Like Rob Blake loves doing that. He's done that a couple times this season. So who knows? We'll see what happens. Do we have a guy for you?
0: I was about to say, maybe a of recluse, who I'm guessing that Horwath is thinking of as well. (laughs) Because, like, you
3: look at it. Rob Blake went and got uh, Leah Sanderson during the Mm offseason from the Rangers. And then he went and got uh, Brendan Lemieux recently from the Rangers as well. So he likes taking chances on these young guys that could help the team. in again, the best prospect pool in hockey as well.
0: Yeah. We know you like boasting about that, Jordy, but let me just ask you this really quickly. I know that we already kind of came down with the fact that it's going to be a couple conditional picks. What would you expect the return for a Jeff Carter to be? I know it says conditional picks, but what would you expect it to be?
3: That's about like, again, I didn't think you were getting much for Jeff Carter. Like he is, like I said, he's 36. He's got two more years left at a bit at like 5.3. That's nothing that's not nothing to like sniff your nose at like i knew la was going to be retaining salary Mm -hmm. in the deal but again like it's just i wonder i don't remember if he has like a no movement or no or something like that but i wonder if like uh someone like maybe now this trade happens and then like maybe seattle picks him up or something like uh i don't know but i i really didn't think any return would be high for carter
0: it's funny because you also Put in our comments earlier some very mean stuff about sending Oli Mata back to the Pittsburgh Penguins. While I am very happy that Oli Mata is not coming back to the Pittsburgh Penguins, I'm a little skeptical about Jeff Carter because we saw last year how bringing an experienced guy works when Patrick Marleau came to the Penguins and kind of just faded into nothing and then went back to San Jose. Now, I don't think Jeff Carter is going to be like that mainly because Jeff Carter, I I feel like, has a little bit more of a shot, and with him— On that Penguins third line, the way that it's kind of maneuvering right now as the second line, I I think he could set up for him to be pretty successful when it comes to being a trigger man for a line with Evan Rodriguez or Jason Zucker. So it's definitely something that is going to be intriguing. And luckily enough, he has a three-day break for the Pittsburgh Penguins for him to get back to Pittsburgh and get in for hopefully a first game on Thursday against the Philadelphia Flyers, his former team. Yeah, for sure. And and like like I said, like Carter hasn't
3: been the best player this season. He was hot out of the gate, but he hasn't been the best player. And like his line kind of bounced around uh, as well and stuff like that. But he has 19 points in 40 games this season. So not the best numbers, but like he's still a veteran that has like won cups before and that's he's bringing it to a team that has a lot of veteran leadership. So he's just going to help out you guys in that aspect for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely not going to turn my nose up at a a half-point-a-game player for the Penguins' bottom six right now. It's something that will definitely help, especially going into the playoffs against the teams they're going to have to play. Dougie, we haven't gone to you in a little while. What are your thoughts right now about the Jeff Carter thing? Because it's definitely, at this point, it is definitely confirmed by Bob McKenzie.
2: So at 50% retained, Jeff Carter would be $2.63 million against the cap. Part of me wonders if we could get a 13 in there and be a broker and get 75% retained and bring him down to just under 2 million. I mean, I'm, I'm totally content with him at 2.6, but if you can get him for like 1.96 or whatever the number ends up, ends up being, that would be incredibly ideal for Carter to be your third line center potentially for this year and next year.
0: It's funny because at this point of the show, I've completely almost blacked out to what happened prior to the Jeff Carter deal being confirmed. I have no idea what I actually said about Jeff Carter before cuz we talked about it. And I'm kind of scared to go back and listen to it. But Horwat, what are your thoughts right now? I know you're you're scouring Twitter being our our local scout here for the tip of the iceberg. So what are you thinking as of right now? Um not too much other than Dear god,
1: I hope this works. I mean, Jeff Carter's Wikipedia page has already changed to say he's a Pittsburgh Penguin. Um <laughs> people are fast on the internet. Yes. Um it's interesting. He's a guy that we have seen be very good. Right? right? I mean, w- with the Flyers no less, too, but now that it's coming off of um coming out of LA, he's 36. I mean, it's not it's not 41 like Patrick Marlowe. He's got a little bit you know of a fresher set um it'll be interesting and as long as like the numbers seem to look good we're not paying a bunch of money for them it's not like we're losing a guy i hope i want to see the conditions on the picks because we have none we have no picks and we need draft picks (laughs) that's the part that got me but as of now um it'll be interesting it'll be very interesting i don't mind it because i mean like i said i'm also a backup kings fan so I've been able to kind of watch Carter Hart for er, Carter Hart. Oh my God. (laughs) It is late. It is late. It is my exhaustion. I've seen (laughs) Jeff Carter kind of change into a player. He is. I've
0: seen him win a cup or two. It's he's a fun player. He can be. He just has to go back to that form here. Well, we still have 16 hours left until the trade deadline. So obviously Hextall and Burke might have some more moves up their sleeve. and, And who knows? Maybe the LA Kings have some more moves up their sleeve too. So Jordy, what are you looking for for the rest of before trade deadline for the Kings?
3: Well, the, the Carter one was like kind of least on, not least on the list. But I'd have if if I had King, if you had to rank Kings players that I thought were going to be traded, I thought Carter would have been fourth on that list. I would have had I have follow one, Brown two, Quick three, and I think an I have follow trade could still happen. The only thing is like the two front like I heard. Uh, Toronto inter- interested in Ifalo and they went and got Felino today and I heard the Islanders uh, in on I Follow and Brown and then they went to got Zajac and Palmieri so I don't really know where I follow could go now I heard Boston may be interested and with I Follow, I think it could be kind of the same as what everyone was saying about Felino today where you trade him at the deadline and then re-sign him in the off-season because follow likes it in LA and, and LA likes him so if he's one of those guys like he's still like 27 I think he's like if you can mm-hmm. trade them and then resign them, like that's what they want to do with iFollow. But I could also see Brown going, and I could also see Quick going mm-hmm. as well. And also, just Twitter is great for little stupid things like this. Carter being traded means oh, everyone from the that '70s line from a few years ago oh. is now gone off the LA Kings.
1: That's uh, the, retire those jerseys and uh, let's. <laughs> But shout, shout what, out now uh,
3: shout out now overpriced Tanner Pearson as you guys <laughs> know I am in Vancouver and yeah. also a Canucks fan
1: when we had Pearson he was good I mean
3: hey he <laughs> he was great for us last year I'm like okay this year but still not worth that amount of money
0: no not at all well Horwath we've had now two-thirds of the that 70s line and not even your favorite player so maybe someday we'll get one of your favorite players Tyler Toffoli on the pens
1: <laughs>
0: that'd be the fun one
1: that'd be but that contract he's got now is a little it's a little pricey so it's, it's
0: got a big That's number a good contract it. for him no i know but early in the season when he was leading the league in scoring maybe yeah, yeah. against this old team <laughs> wait
3: can i say one more thing just yes, not non-penguins non, uh, related of course uh how are the pits how are the pirates doing Hey, two wins in a row, baby. Two game yeah. win
0: streak. Yeah. Fire we it won up. The series against the Cubbies. Raise the jolly freaking Roger. We're excited Fire here. Pittsburgh. Fire it up. But, Fire it up. Listen, I'm sure we could all talk probably for the next 16 hours until the trade deadline, but obviously we all need a little bit of sleep before the craziness that will ensue tomorrow. Thank you to both Doug and Jordy. For joining the show, first we'll start with Jordy. What's coming up for you on the Kings? Then I'll let you plug some stuff really quickly since you're gracious enough to join us. Well,
3: the thing—I knew this was going to happen, but just when you guys started recording is when I finished recording my episode, and I knew like I was going to finish recording and a trade is going to go down tonight yep. instead of tomorrow. I just knew it was going to happen, but the all the trades are going to be talked about on Thursday's episode. This episode coming out tomorrow talks about the last three games how we finally beat marty jones like we just couldn't beat marty jones all season for some fucking reason but uh about the last three games from this week a win against arizona and then split a series against san jose and then i talk about the trade pieces that could happen i follow quick brown didn't mention carter so now that's that'll be a major talking point on a uh, thursday's episode awesome and where
0: can our listeners find you on social
3: media as well. uh, at cunningham jordy
0: on twitter or at the king's den thpn Awesome. Awesome. Dougie, where can our listeners find you and what do you have coming up?
2: Alrighty. So you guys can all follow me on Twitter at Doug underscore Blackie. You guys can see a lot of Penn's tweets on there. And also my friends and I from college, we're doing a um, trade deadline live stream tomorrow for our college, for our university television station. So I'll be tweeting that link out um, closer to 12 o'clock when we start. And anybody who wants to pop in and watch, I know I think I'm gonna have Broansi on for a little bit. And yeah, it's gonna be a good time. I got a couple of decent guests lined up, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a blast.
0: Awesome! Thank you so much for joining, Dougie and Horawat. Any last thoughts before we send the listeners home for the first time this week?
1: Oh, listen, I know we freak. We all just had the big freak out over a trade. I mean again we're going to I'll send you off with something that Bob McKenzie just said it's kind of important because yeah we had all these discussions but it is still important that there has no been no official word yet and until Correct. the call is made nothing is official but I mean Bob McKenzie is coming out of retirement for tomorrow's trade deadline apparently he's going to be at the TSN desk so we'll see how it goes but yeah until everything is final and we know for sure just it's all just fun and games
0: for now Well, on that note, I think that's going to close out this episode. I really hope that this isn't all just debunked right after we finish recording and we just wasted the past 25 minutes talking about a trade that didn't happen. But But that's called content. That's called content for you, and it'll be very funny if it does happen. But that is going to do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg. The Penguins are on a three-game winning streak and are just two points off of a first-place position. We will see you guys on Thursday. Have a good one, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at nickhorwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.